Welcome to 99 Potions Fan Bites Premier RPG Podcast. I am your host today, Imran Khan, and with me today is uh, Head of Large. <laughs> I'm t- like, okay, so I totally like spaced. No, no, like, no. It's so, like, head of so large, is, but what? So is <laughs> my head. My head is there, also spaced. There was it's a point so large. In, in that introduction, I was going to be like, John Apple. Wait, no, that's not right. <laughs> I don't know why I thought John Apple. Uh, <laughs> But John Warren, hello. Hi, how's it going? I'll be John Apple. I'll be anything you want, Imran. Thanks for hosting. I appreciate it. The the, the famous Apple family that runs the Apple conglomerate. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Steve Jobs was just kind of a puppet. Um, <laughs> and then yeah. we were through with him. And now it's, yeah, now we're back in the saddle. Anyway. And also joining us is, you may have just heard them say, yeah, it, it is... I know you're a managing editor, but I want to call you head of small. Whoa! Wow. Holy wow. shit! Head of small head, because like if John John Apple is head of large, mm, right. then theoretically the managing editor should be head of small. This is a rich fiction you've created. Yeah, yeah. It's this almost like you're crafting your own RPG. No, we're we are creating a D and D campaign right here and now. This Fantastic. is perfect. Yeah, I was going to say uh, something like, since you had gone with the Apple side, I was going to go like 10 years ago, we had Jobs, Cash and Apples and now <laughs> all the apples are rotten or something. We have Jobs, uh, Apple and Stephen Strom. That's wow. Of fanbyte.com. Hello. Thank you for uh, the fine introduction, Imran. No, that was that is probably Hallmark, one of the worst introductions for a podcast. <laughs> no, like, you know what? I, I was, I, you might think that and listeners at home, you might also be thinking that. And if you, if you are thinking that you're wrong, there are, there are 15,000 podcasts out there and all of them have bad intros. So yeah. listen. <laughs> well, that's the but, thing too, is just like, if anybody listening to this thinks that that podcast is bad, that's actually good for us. Cause that means all they listen to is our podcasts because every right. other podcast is not nearly as good or well produced that's as true. us. Yeah, that's, that's the coveted demo. People who only listen to the one podcast and nothing else—they have zero context for everything else. But the, like I said, this is Nine Nine Potions Fan Bites from your RPG podcast. Uh, Natalie Flores is currently still on. What was it? Synatical? Synatical. Synatical yeah. Synatical. Head of Empty. Natalie Flores is on. Wow. wow. I think she's the Damn. first person to say that about herself most of the time. <laughs> she's not even here to defend herself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's the time to strike. <laughs> I, okay. Like I'm calling it right now. What time is it? It's eight. It's one oh eight p.m. on Wednesday. Okay. These go up like in the morning on Thursdays. I'm gonna say at 10 42 a.m tomorrow she's gonna send you a fucking angry <laughs> angry dm and just let me know let me know if that happens i will screenshot it for you john you bet okay thank you i'm gonna i'm gonna bet ahead of that and sometime during this discord chat there's precedent for it my ears are burning and i came i swooped in here to be rude to y'all yeah <laughs> So while Natalie does have time off, uh, one thing that did not take time off this past weekend was Tenocon nope. and the Warframe developer or the Warframe centered yeah. uh, convention. It's I assume it is all digital this year. It is not a physical thing people in Canada go up to. Yeah, uh, uh, usually it is a digital or usually it is a physical thing that people can go to. Yeah. I've been to several Tenocons in, uh, in person. The This one and last year's one were both uh, all digital because of COVID. But yeah, normally it is an event that they have in London, Ontario every year. Um, they rent out the same space and it's a cool place. Honestly, it's like uh, like honestly, it's one of the coolest events that I ever used to go to. It's like that and the international, the Dota 2 championships are always my favorites because it's just the energy of these people who are very, very passionate about one specific game is like yeah. just kind of different than anything you get at like an E3 or something where it's just very tired journalists going from appointment to appointment. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it was always super fun, but yeah, it was all digital again this year. Um, and they showed off some cool stuff, I think. So you are Steven, the, I think Warframe expert, not even among the three of us, but among like fan bite staff. Yeah. Oh yeah. What, what did Tenocon actually show this year? That is like, 
of interest to Warframe people at large and non-Warframe fans, people who are maybe like like me, who always see that Warframe thing on PS4 or, P- or PS5 or PC and be like, maybe I get really into Warframe. Yeah. Warframe's a thing <laughs> uh-huh. I can maybe look into. <laughs> yeah. So I think this year actually is the first year in a long time. So Tenacon always ends on a big live stream event part called uh, Tenno Live, which is uh, where they basically show off a bunch of uh, upcoming events and uh, in-game stuff that will be added to the game usually later that year. Um, Last year, the big thing was uh, an announcement for a new open world. Like Warframe was originally you ran through hallways that were all just procedurally generated hallways ways that all looked the same when this game launched in like 2012 and then uh over time they've added a bunch of different tile sets and stuff like that and one of the then they started adding open world zones um one on there's one on earth then there was one on uh venus that's like this big frozen zone and then last year they announced uh dimos like one of the moons of mars i think is that right uh, it's some kind of moon in the. I know solar Mars system. has moms, but I don't think Mars has moons. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, common misconception, though. You know, they're cognates. And yeah. I would like to congratulate myself on being the only person to ever reference Mars has moms, uh, or, or I guess it's Mars, Mars needs moms. moms. Yeah, that's it. That, yeah, that's they, the they only... critically do not have moms. <laughs> they don't have moms. They need moms. Yeah, that's right. true. Uh, uh, that's the first and last time that'll happen anyway. Bye folks. <laughs> well, ironically or coincidentally, um, there is on Dimos the, I think it's a moon of Mars. Um, yeah. yes. Uh, Jordan points out it is, is a moon is of Mars. That. There is a character named mother, uh, that they announced in a new open world, uh, expansion last year. And so like these announcements are typically things that you can point to and like to a new player and be like, Oh, this is why this is uh, like unique. They added a third open world zone where you can just run wow. around and it's like all infested looking like the the there are three sort of main factions in Warframe. Initially, there were three fa- main factions, the Grenier, which are these sort of like hyper militarized clone army kind of guy. They're they're kind of like the the Santarans, Santarans, I think, from Doctor Who, the, the clone army guys. Um, and then there was like the, the Corpus who are, uh, necro capitalists. They're evil capitalist, uh, monster people, uh, monsters like philosophically, not, um, physically. And then there are literal monster people called the infested. And there was like an mm. infested planet got added to the game this year. The new stuff that got shown is like stuff that if you aren't deep into Warframe probably doesn't excite you in the same way or is harder to show off and say like this is this is why this is exciting to a new player because this is content that you almost certainly can't or won't be able to access until you're like deep into this game. Yeah. Um, It's called the New War, which was originally announced in 2018 with a 2019 release date. And as you can probably guess, they didn't hit that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's Uh, that's a that's a wild gap. Uh, Yeah. They did. They explain. I mean, can can you kind of glean like why? Because they've released a lot of stuff between then and now. Yeah. Tons of expansions. Um, Why was this in particular kind of shelved and then, you know, uh, brought brought up this year? I'm not sure. That is actually, I sent a bunch of um, questions. I've been in contact with uh, Digital Extremes, the developer, uh, to try and get some interview stuff set up and, and get some questions. That was one of the, actually, the biggest questions I asked them um, in my in my last email from yesterday is like, why now? What's what's different about now? And yeah. previously, so the, the like this is also kind of a, an interesting thing where the new war is technically already in the game in some ways, because Mm. if you go to your quest counter in Warframe on your ship, like every player has their own personal ship, you can go to this like little computer terminal that has all the different quests and it tells you if you've completed them or not. And there is an icon for the new war. Uh, Mm. Currently, all that has been is three cutscenes that have happened uh, that have been kind of like doled out in the last like year or two. And yeah. so the conversation I, or the, the uh, description I always heard for it was that, Oh, the new war is going to be like this rolling event that gets a little bit of an update here and there, not some big drop, but now it seems like they've gone back on that and are going into the big drop and the big drop mm. is coming this year. 
Uh, finally, mm-hmm. they even toyed with the like fact that it was originally announced for 2019 because at the end of the uh, big like 30 minute trailer that they put out for the new war, they uh, show a 20 like coming 2019 and then the 2019 like mutates and morphs into a 2021. <laughs> <laughs> so there was another game, Sifu, I think, did that recently where they like showed 2021 and then it rolled in 2022. And I'm like, OK, that's a little a little inter- like that's an odd uh way to show it as if it's like a surprise yeah yeah right yeah 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 like i, I don't know i guess like there I-, I guess there are sifu fans out there that were just like i can't wait to play this game at the end of this year because that game looks good but like when it got delayed i was like i did i didn't okay this wasn't like news to me i, I don't yeah. know it-, it was it was like a, a funny thing it's like whoops <laughs> I don't know. I, it's it's like they're showing us. Yep, you're not crazy. This was delayed. Yeah. Um, this is yeah, this. I feel like funny. is slightly different because this is not them announcing a delay. This is them saying right. like the the, it, the delay already happened and there was no definite date. And now yeah. this is them saying, okay, this is the new definite date. And yeah. if they miss 2021, that would at this point, I think that would be very funny and also I'm sure very frustrating yeah. to everyone involved. Ha- had they been talking about the new war like? like over the past like year year and a half like had they been like and this is still coming or was this kind of like this missed the date and then everyone kind of forgot about it i mean they talked about it a little bit but here and there but not in these specific terms because again like the only thing that we'd really ever seen from it were those little cutscenes that like gave like tiny little yeah. story updates and i don't know how much we want to go into spoilers because that's the thing here is that that's one of the reasons that it's so difficult to talk about this for newcomers because warframe famously for a lot of people and i'm sure there are a lot of people who've never played the game or who already know the 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 twist but warframe is a game when when it launched it was just running through corridors you had this narrator character called the lotus who would send you on missions and the missions were like you go kill 30 grenier or go capture this prisoner and you would get rewards and new warframes and stuff like that and then like five years into that game's lifespan they added a massive 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 amount of story and suddenly like 40 hours in into your playthrough of Warframe, there is a huge twist that yeah. completely recontextualizes everything you know about that game <laughs> and the universe that it takes place in. Uh, John, I think you know what I'm talking about. I think you know I what the twist is. Okay. Yeah. Imran, do you? No. And that's kind of a thing that's always kept me away from Warframe in a way of like, it's the same thing that keeps me away from Destiny mm. of knowing that there is an actual universe where you need to somewhat pay attention to this stuff and like yeah. get invested and involved because it does matter. And there is like there is a good quality to it. But the the idea of I if I get into Warframe, I need to get into it for this set stuff or at some point it's contextualized to a point where I I will be missing something if I get spoiled yeah. is one of the things that makes you go, eh, I don't know that I have 300 hours or whatever, even though stuff like the assassin stuff in Warframe sounds so cool. Yeah. And I don't know that I want it. Like if I have the time to experience that. Right. They, yeah, they do pay off some of that stuff. That That is like one of the things in, in Warframe, like one of the first like story things they did before there was a story. The, the big story thing is called the second dream. That's the, the quest that everybody kind of cites as like, uh, hey, play up to this point and you'll see what we're fucking talking about if you beat this yeah. quest. Um, and before that, there was like a character in the game that would, if you killed a boss in that game, there was like a 10% chance or whatever that you would get an email in your in-game inbox from a character called the stalker and he would just say like your pro- your crimes have not gone unnoticed or something like that and then at some point later on in the mission or in in some random mission from there on you would get dark soul style invaded by that character and he would show up and try to kill you <laughs> and yeah that uh, sounds so amazing like i love that idea i <laughs> I fear getting involved enough to the point where I get to actually experience that though. That's honestly, that stuff is not too early on. And like Jordan puts this in a really interesting way in the uh, chat here says uh, Warframe can finish a thought is the main difference. Like Warframe is not presented like destiny where destiny is like, here's this, here's this cool cutscene, And then, all right, eight years from now, (laughs) we'll maybe reference that ever happening again. Like, here's this character that you thought was dead who came back to life and we'll never talk about it ever again. Warframe is basically presented like a 
fairly traditional video game linear video game story once you get to the first like bit of like that first main story quest but even before then there are like there is story there's just like characters like you know till rigor is trying to um solve the grenier uh cloning uh problem he they basically got multiplicity disease the more grenier they make the like worse the clones get so <laughs> there's like this guy who's like trying to make fresh grenier clones and you have to go stop him and and there's stuff like that along the way that is just like oh okay this is a story it's not particularly exciting but there is a story here and then you get to the second dream and it's like oh okay this is what this is the nature of this world and what has been going on this whole time and this is going to be the like the crux of the story that they can continue to tell from this point forward. I love how casually you just referenced the uh, Michael Keaton. So <laughs> casual to just throw that in there to be like, oh, y'all remember that? You know, the one where they make a copy of a copy and, the, and, and he's kind of like weird and he says, we're going to eat a dolphin. You know, the one, with, the one with Andy McDowell. Andy McDowell sleeps with three of them. Actually, I think all four of them over the course of the film. You know, multiplicity. Yeah. That movie. Classic I, I multiplicity like that, disease. That movie is like filed in the same place as my head as what about bob like i don't know why yeah um but yeah warframe um like <laughs> warframe is I'm a lot saying, like multiplicity I, jordan i am not saying what about bob is bad i'm just saying it's the same place in my head like, Listen, i can't think about one without thinking about the other this is a video game podcast but i'm gonna say this i think uh i think richard dreyfus i think richard dreyfus i mean this completely seriously i think richard dreyfus should have won an oscar for what about bob <laughs> His, yeah, his, his descent into madness is like one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> anyway, uh, the Oscars hates comedy, though. Back to Warframe, I guess. Back to Warframe. There's no Bob. There's a character named Clem. There's also a character. So the things that I can easily talk about that are shown in the new war is um, it seems like they're doing an Apex Legends or a Fortnite this time around where those open worlds that I mentioned earlier, or at least one of them are getting invaded and attacked. Um, mm. the Cetus, which is the kind of the main earth planet that you go to, or the main earth zone that has an open world. It's this kind of lush open plains with some mountains in the background. And there's like a, like a kind of an agrarian village that lives on the outskirts of it under in like the, the shadow of this huge golden tower made of meat that they cut up like whale blubber. And then it regrows its meat over the day so they are like they are hunting this tower um and they sell the meat to different factions to make their living um in the initial trailer for the new war we see that that like tower gets like blown up and cetus is under siege by this uh faction called the sentience which is like a huge villain in the warframe lore um that you kind of find out a lot more about in the second dream and some other stuff but basically the main villains are these kind of like robot people called the sentience and it seems like they're blowing up the map. It seems like they're blowing up Cetus and, and like invading it with these like sentient battleships over the sky. And yeah. during that section, they show you like they, they do the control style. Like, you know how in control, when you enter a new area, it's just like on screen white text that just says black yeah. rock quarry. Yeah. The right. impact font. Yeah, yeah, totally. They do that, but it's like, Hey, you're playing this guy now for a, for just like, 20 minutes or something like that. And so it's call one seven five, which is the name of a Grenier soldier that you play as uh, from the, so you're seeing this sentient invasion from the perspective of like the enemy factions. Uh, and then it like cuts to like a, like, you know, call one seven five is like, I'm a Grenier. I'm big, strong warrior guy. And then it like cuts to this corpus engineer. Who's like this sort of low rung, lower management engineer guy grunt who works for the, the for the Necro capitalists. Um, named Viso, and he's like, oh, sir, I think we're under attack. Like, oh, gosh, oh, no. And you have to, like, fight through. <laughs> but, but since you're not, like, a cool Warframe with, like, magic powers that can kill 76 guys a second, he's got, like, abilities where he is, like, summoning little robot friends to help him in combat that all, like, like they have, like, little voices and say things. Yeah. I, uh, like, cla I like classes where you get a buddy. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah. And yeah, he seems like he has a because the corpus are all about like they they have lots of like little automated drones and stuff like that. And so he hacks a couple of them to help him through this level. And he's almost like stealthing his way through the level and like using his little robot buddies to do the fighting for him because he can't fight, you know, these sentience by himself. They're they're, you know, God killing robot monsters from another star system in this lore. And he's just not that. And it's not quite clear if like 
wait, is is your character your the Tenno is the name of the characters that you play in these games? Tenno. Is your character not around? What's that? Oh, I just said Tenno. Tenno. Yeah, <laughs> like the the Grenier do love to say Tenno. Yeah. Um, which is also a reference. It's a reference to something in game called the Zeroman 10-0. It's like the name of a spaceship. But also it's a reference to the uh, Dark Sector third-person cover-based shooter that Digital Extremes put out on the Xbox 360. <laughs> wow. Where the main character's name was Hayden Tenno. Wow. <laughs> but I, yeah. Every time, like, I, I've been in... Year, in the last few years involved in multiple conversations about how cool Warframe is. Mm-hmm. Every time it happens, I'm like, maybe I should get into Warframe. Maybe, like, this is the time. And I don't know what stops me. I think it is literally just a time investment. But it does... It's weird how whenever people describe it, they describe it as a thing that is incredibly unique and very... Ex- extremely well-supported and oh, yeah. interesting. Like, it it sounds like the thing that I, I wish Destiny was. Right, yeah. And it's weird to me that people... Don't like it. It feels like it should have that same level of fervor that like Yakuza in Final Fantasy fourteen have of right. people who are just constantly going around like, "Hey, have you heard of Warframe? Have you heard have of you the good heard? word of Warframe?" I mean, it does have those people. It's me. Hello, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, mean, I, I did that for Merit last year, and Merit I was, was like, "Yeah, say, sure, whatever." I don't, I don't think Imran was here during the times where Steven really was pulling most of us aside and going like. No, but really, like you gotta buy this Warframe, uh, and <laughs> I don't mean buy it. I just it, it's like yeah, it's free. You have to download. You have to download this Warframe. You have to do it. Um, just get a taste. And like, I did, and I did, I did try. Yeah, I did. I do remember playing two or three hours of it. I think what happens with this game, uh, among many others, and I, I think Final Fantasy fourteen is the only one I've really broken through. Although mm. I'm still, I'm still very slowly progressing in that game. Um, it, it's, it is the FOMO thing. It's like, if you're not in on the, if you're not in day one, it just feels like you've missed the emotional wave that made you want to play the game. Right. It, it, does that make sense? It's kind of like, so. it's like, well, is this game going to be as good now that that wave isn't existing at the same time that I'm playing it? Like, I don't know. I, like, that's such a weird that's like a that's a, honestly a fucking busted way to like play a video game. Honestly, like you should just like play it because it's good. But there is something about these like big community supported things that if you miss that wave, you feel like you just missed it. Yeah. And and to Warframe Warframe's credit and to Final Fantasy XIV's credit, I do think those communities are pretty good at welcoming new folks and also having like top-down support to like welcome new folks into the game but yeah warframe is just, in it's particular. tough yeah yeah 14 is really good at it but I, I do think warframe is good at it too i just uh it just didn't i don't know it just didn't stick when i started it well i think there's a couple of things here that might help with that um yeah. that are one that was announced uh at at uh, Tenocon this year, and then one which is just like I think you can like once you catch up to the second dream and you you unlock that stuff, like the rest is a pretty pretty easy sprint through uh, to get caught up and then just be part of the hype with people. I think like Merritt at the time was like oh like I Merritt was the one of of the fanbyte crew who I was like listen you got to get into this Warframe. Um, she was the one who like stuck with it the most with me at the time who hadn't already been playing Warframe. I think Jordan had already been playing Warframe before that point um, and some other people but um, Merritt stuck with it and uh, got to the second dream and was like oh like I thought this was just kind of a fun sort of loot shooter type game um, and then I got to the second dream and it's like, I got choked up. This is like one of the most emotionally affecting sci-fi stories I've seen <laughs> in a video game ever. This is wild. Um, and the other thing that got announced this weekend is crossplay and cross progression are confirmed for Warframe. Finally, uh, we had previously heard that they were working on cross save, but they had said that they had no plans for cross play. And now that is going to be a thing. And I think the crossplay and cross progression makes a huge difference in this and getting people in because a it's one community now. It's not the PlayStation people and the Switch people and right. the PC people and the Xbox people. It's like one giant morass of people now that can all play together. And if you have friends who previously were not playing it before uh, because they don't have a uh, gaming PC and they wanted to be you know They're caught up with you. their friends, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 
suddenly you get like an influx of people, I think, just right out the gate um, yeah. in your friend groups. I know Mike Williams um, from uh, uh, where's my PC, PC mag right now. Um, I always get PC mag PC games and PC gamer confused. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yep. Um, like Mike has been like, he's one of those people who is also like always every Tenocon like messages me and says like, Hey, what's the, what's I'm watching this Tenocon thing. What's going on this time? <laughs> Can you tell me? Cause Warframe always looks super cool. I want to get in, but I, I don't know what I'm looking at here. Um, and I think like now that like, he can play on um, a PlayStation or with a controller or whatever. Um, right. That's a big difference. And yeah. I, it also makes a difference in the sense that like Warframe has in-game guilds like uh, an MMO does that has like a ac- gives you access to a lot of different unique things like better guns, different weapons, your railjack. I'm Ron. I don't know if you even know this, but Warframe in the last year or two added a Sea of Thieves style like boat based multiplayer where you build your own spaceship uh, with <laughs> with side guns and engines and stuff. Um, and then you have multiple people on it and like somebody's running the cannons and somebody's flying and somebody is, uh, pulling up a battlefield 2142 style, um, little PDA and then like deploying shock traps on a map and stuff like that. Um, that, that sounds super interesting. It also like, the other part of that is it sounds like I need friends to play this game with, which also a little bit turns me off from it. You yeah. really don't like it on uh, in point of fact, like the most of the, they're one of the complaints that they keep getting on their like digital, digital extremes is like very candid uh, about a lot of this stuff. Um, and they do a lot of these dev streams a lot of the time um, where they just answer questions and, and announce stuff way ahead of time and whatnot. Um, just by talking about it. One of the complaints that they, if you watch those, one of the complaints they get is that like so many of the story missions in particular are tuned for single player uh, Mm. and not for co-op. And also one of the things they added very recently to Railjack is NPC crew crew members that you can get and then upgrade on your ship and can run the guns or or pilots for you and stuff. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's fun. I like soloing. There's a, there's a nimbleness to Warframe, like, right? Like that, that complaint that, you know, like you have Imran about like, I need friends if I'm going to play the, the Railjack stuff is like a thing that other people complained about. And I think rightly so. And then they were like, okay, we'll add this whole system of like NPC crewmates that you can level up and equip and bring onto your ship. And they have like randomly generated names and backstories. Uh, there's I a nemesis cool. system. <laughs> yeah, I, the, the, it's such a kitchen sink game. Um, yeah. And and like <laughs> no one asked for me to bring this up. OK, listen, this is my own disease. Mm. Whenever I see Warframe release like a new cool thing, I'm like, huh, what's going on with Star Citizen? And I usually go like <laughs> and I usually just like go look up what's going on with Star Citizen. And I'm like, this is not one to one, but I'm like. Okay, what's going on with Elite Dangerous? Okay, uh-huh. what's going on with Warframe? Okay, like, I, 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 there's something is, okay, like, are we not ready to call this, like, the, the games industry's all-time grift yet, or, like, what's going on? Anyway. I think not enough about people Star care Citizen. about Star Citizen at this point to Not enough call people it. care? Steven, not enough people in the art industry. I'm used. To, oh well, okay. I mean, I guess it's like uh, that. That uh, people put their life savings into this horse shit. It looks like so. Yeah. It's just, I yeah. don't know. It's weird. Anyway. But you you are right. There is there is a, a like that game is like. What if we threw in the kitchen sink? Give us money and we'll throw in the kitchen sink. And then you hear about these games that are like incredibly popular, but are not particularly picked up by the game's mainstream. In yeah. the same way, like Warframe and Elite Dangerous, that are like, yeah. no, they're doing all of that stuff. And like Warframe, doing, and they're doing well, but yeah. it's not. It's kind of under the radar. Yeah, like similar I, to. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, I keep expecting like some big company, like to wake up to a news story one day saying like Digital Extremes has been purchased by Microsoft or Sony oh, or whoever. That happened last year, uh, Imran. Wait, yeah. what? Yeah, we own we own these guys now. Oh, we, okay. Yeah, we we own this one. Do we need to put a disclaimer on this podcast? Then? Probably wouldn't That's, hurt. Probably, probably wouldn't. I was hurt. gonna maybe put one on the end or something. But I yeah, mean, I mean, Imran, like with the purchases that they've been making, I don't know when we're not. I mean, like we either need to do a blanket one and just like point everyone to the same one. Just like listen, <laughs> they own twelve percent of the games industry. You just mm-hmm. know what's up. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Just just put fanbyte.com slash disclaimer and just yeah, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. I just I don't 
don't know what to say, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, we we yeah, Tencent owns that thing now. That's yeah, okay, cool. There's also yeah, they were originally so it was Digital Extremes, who was an independent company, uh, and then they were bought a f- number of years ago by a chicken, a Chinese chicken company named Layu, who pivoted from chicken to video games. I, this is not I mean, a joke. That's how you do it. Like you, that's the the path of a chicken then video games, and then eventually <laughs> movies, then back to chicken. Uh-huh. And uh, as Jordan puts out, uh, have a drumstick and your <laughs> brain stops ticking, um, but then you get to play Warframe, uh, and yeah. it's great. Yeah. And then Tencent bought like you. So technically, I think Tencent owns the parent company of Digital Extremes, which makes Warframe now. Okay, I think that explains why, why I may have missed that, is that it yeah. was a parent company acquisition and not like, Someone directly buying digital experience. No, yeah. Right. They were already yeah. owned by a, a, a Chinese company. Okay. Um, yeah. And uh, that was, I think, late last year. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, but it's even still like their their overarching structure, at least of how they've, it's not like the overnight when they got purchased, they like changed their business model or anything like Warframe so far, at least just seems basically the same. The um, same. Yeah. But um, it is. Still, yeah, but it is still wild that the game, like even before then, was able to kind of continue because it's not a huge development team like Digital Extremes is not massive in the grand scheme of things. So like they are nimble in a way that you would not expect for a developer of their size to be able to just like throw in things yeah. like, again, the Railjack, the like Sea of Thieves style cooperative multiplayer. The they have a nemesis system that is like a massive part of the end game, which I finally killed my first nemesis last night. I, I had had a nemesis for a long time in Warframe <laughs> named Moctivo. Um, and she was like a cool Grenier lady. Uh, they all have different personalities like Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War, uh, where hers was like she's like cold and calculating. So she used ice attacks, but also she like referred to everything as like a calculation and an equation uh, all the time. And it's just like, you you cannot beat me. Like the, the, the odds uh, show that there are only three possible outcomes where you win this, where there are, is there are 1,675 versions of this event where I win and stuff like that. Um, and those will give you like randomized guns and, or you can convert them to your side and they become your allies in combat last year with the, with the, uh, Deimos stuff, the heart of Deimos, they added mechs. So you can like hop out of your Warframe and into a mech suit that is wrapped around a skeleton, um, which I posted pictures of in the discord here. They're called necromechs. And it's like, what if like a sarcophagus was attached, had robot arms and that the skull was sticking out a little bit at the top. So it's like very Warhammer 40 K. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Yeah. I was going to say, why not call them necromancers? But then I realized that that is a Capcom fighting game. That is like a lawsuit printed on a disc. <laughs> uh, I think that's also, is that not also a class in borderlands? Is that not what? Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, is that not a me- Mecro Dancer? Or am I wrong about that? <laughs> Mecro Dancer is good. I mean, though. that sounds like some horseshit Tiny Tina would say. So yeah, that's know. true. Uh, it's probably Mecromancer. Right? Yeah, you're right. It's Mecromancer. <laughs> But um, yeah, so like so open worlds and and, you know, space combat and uh, mechs and nemeses and all of this stuff. And it's just like adding constantly new stuff. Um, But now again, like I think the new war is them kind of like maybe not dialing it back necessarily, but like focusing on what's already there and changing what already exists as opposed to adding another spoke on the wheel right now, which is which is interesting uh, because it's been a while since I think they've done that. Yeah. So how is this like? How is Warframe doing these days? Like, are there are the numbers comparable to something like? I'm throwing examples out of there, but like at like Fortnite or something like that. I I'm sure it's not Fortnite levels. They to hear them say it, like they always say that like it's doing like better and better every year. They did break their concurrent player record again during Tenocon this year. Mm-hmm. Um, which the, according to steam charts or whatever, um, it was, I had an article here, but it, I think it, it was on an article from PC Gamer. Um, the steam version of the game had 175,000 players concurrent at the time, which does not include Warframe has its like before Warframe was on steam. It just also had its own client and you can just like still download it from warframe.com or whatever. Um, so that does not include all PC players. It also does not include switch players, PS4 players, PS5 players, Xbox one players or Xbox series X players. So, cause those are all separate. Um, but just the steam players were 175,000 and uh, Warframe was saying that they had broken their concurrence. Uh, I think they were like the last report 
Um, I'm sorry for typing. Uh, I'm just looking right now what the player count is. Last report, I thought it was something like 28 million or something like that. Mm. Oh my god, that is much larger. Uh, that's a much larger number than I thought it was going to be. Like, because again, I I know lots of people play Warframe. Intellectually, I know that. I never hear anyone talk about it. Right. Like on Twitter or whatever. Like I, I maybe I just follow enough Final Fantasy fourteen weirdos. And I just see them constantly posting their uh, Final Fantasy characters. Right. I never see anyone going like, "Look at this cool Warframe I just got." Right. Right. Yeah. Totally. Like I, this has been a thing that they have themselves, I think, talked about a, a number of times. Like for the longest time, Warframe. I don't know if it's still the case, but Warframe was in the top ten like free to play games on Steam for like eight straight years or something like that. It never fallen down past the top 10 or something like that. Like it's, God. it's a huge game with a lot of people. Like it's big enough to have its own in-person convention every year. That, that, that is always a big deal, you know? And, but it does occupy that kind of weird spot. Like there are just games like that in this industry. I mean, like we, we forget now, but Fortnite was like that Fortnite battle Royale up until yeah. that Drake thing, Drake and Ninja playing together. Like nobody, in our circles was paying attention to Fortnite after it came out and it was like, Oh, it's like a zombie horde mode thing, I guess, whatever. And then it quietly became very popular and successful. And then just happened to have like huge names streaming it all at once that made people stand up and take notice. I think also there is a Fortnite broke big partially on the back of having a mobile version that kids can play. Um, yeah. And Warframe does not have that. Warframe is getting that. That was another thing that was announced at Tenocon this year is that it is getting a mobile version finally. Yeah, I think that that is going to be a big key in like that thing becoming more popular. Yeah, it's going to suddenly be a lot more popular with kids. It's going to be a lot more popular in different regions than the US where consoles and PCs are not necessarily as common. Um, you know, like mobile phone games is where people play games in a lot of parts of the world, uh, that aren't the West in particular. I think like, you know, China is obviously like a big example, but India is like a huge market with like a very high population, uh, as one Vince McMahon, I'm sure could tell you. (laughs) And they, uh, you know, play a lot of, they play games on phones there. And I think like the other games that we've seen explode in popularity have also just launched on mobile. And even though we don't think of them as necessarily being mobile games are probably way more popular in that way. Like Genshin impact is another great example. Right. Right. Yeah. Especially like now I think everyone is either translating the existing controls more easily to touchscreen or like everyone just owning a controller for their phone. So it's a little easier to go like, yeah, Warframe, which is, as I understand it, a very, a surprisingly complicated action game, yeah. uh, can work on a phone without compromising too much of what's actually, you know, interesting yeah. about that game's systems. Absolutely, yeah. Also, I was way off about the Warframe player count number. Oh, well, what actually is it? Uh, so I'm j- I just typed in Warframe <laughs> player count. Um, there's an article from 2019 that references 50 million re- registered players <laughs> across all oh, platforms. Oh wow! I thought I thought it was gonna be less. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, and that's from two, wow. that's from two years ago. <laughs> The way you said it made it sound like it was like going to be bad news. Yeah, like, no, like it was going to be like, oh, it's actually two million. You know, it's like, ah, all right. No, 50, like as of two years ago, 50 million registered players, which is not wow. active players, obviously. But right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a lot. I, I, I have been inspired. I'm going to, when I get home, download this to some, some system I own, probably PS5, I guess, mm, and, mm-hmm. and see like. Maybe I will catch the Warframe fever. Yeah, I mean, I think like if once that crossplay is out, if you're playing on PS5 and you want like a clan dojo to be part of, you are welcome to jump in to uh, mine Fantasy Star Online 2, which I named before Fantasy Star <laughs> Online 2 came out. Like I named it that like five years ago before Stupid. when it was like, oh, Fata- Fata- uh, Fantasy Star Online 2 is never coming out of the US. And oops, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Ah, uh, OK, so. That, that was Warframe. That was a TennoCon talk. Another thing that came out over the week, or I guess a little bit before the weekend. Yeah, Friday. Is, classic uh, Nintendo Fr- Friday release. Classic Nintendo Friday release. It's, it's a classic Nintendo game, apparently. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I get the feeling this is going to be a discussion. But The Legend of Zelda <laughs> Skyward Sword came out on Friday. Uh, you guys, you, you both have been playing the, the HD remaster, correct? I, I have been, yeah. John has been... Steven, what is your experience with Skyward Sword? Uh, I downloaded it 
And I was like, I'm going to play some Skyward Sword. Finally going to give this game a second chance. And then I watched John play it on a stream and I'm like, maybe actually I don't need to. I, I love inspiring people through my terrible gameplay. <laughs> no, but like when this game came out on, on the Wii, this is one of those situations where, um, you know, I and I don't want to get into my feelings about it because that's not really the part of the conversation I care about because I really just want to talk about the new control scheme. But like, mm. But, uh, but like uh, this game kind of, I'm, I'm like a pretty big Zelda fan. I didn't really love Twilight Princess, big fan of Wind Waker. Obviously Breath of the Wild is, is my favorite game ever. Um, Skyward Sword was a game that when it came out, I was excited about it. And then the, 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 the Wii, the Wii remote controls were significant and frequent and precise enough that my range of motion issues like with my arms and stuff was actually interfering with my ability to like play that game well right and we was not an accessible console like it was not no. an accessible console there's like, a lot of that aspect there's a lot of games and aspects of motion control i really liked but like yeah. you could not run that system today because there's so many people just couldn't play it yeah um that, that like if if you give me a mario galaxy with the wiimote and the nunchuck like that's pretty easy it's just wagging the it's thing just waggle, pointing yeah. it. it's not really a whole lot even that you know even that pushed some people out of that experience obviously until recently with the 3d all-stars remake um or remaster um and this game, I was really disappointed when it came out and I couldn't really play it the way I wanted to. And so when this got announced and there was a, a secondary control scheme uh, announced that you basically swing the sword with your right stick, I thought, great, this is awesome. A new opportunity to play this game. And it turns out what they did is they they have the original control scheme, which is just like just fucking terrible. And then they decided <laughs> to put then they, then they then they decided to put a second fucking terrible control scheme in this game, which is like remarkable because I the thing I didn't think about when they announced that the the sword would be mapped to the right stick which is kind of embarrassing because like I do have a game design background, but like when they said that I didn't think about the camera mm -hmm. and to move the camera, you have to hold down the left bumper and, and like, so there's nothing like smart or like um, context sensitive about like when you use the L it's just like, if you need to move the camera, you need to hold down the, the left bumper. Right. Um, and crucially you can't, move the camera and slash your sword at once. But so normally when you are bad. slashing your sword, you are Z targeted anyway, because it's a Zelda game. I assume probably right? except but there's also like so many puzzles and things are based around like your position of your sword. Huh. Yeah. Like that's the thing is that like more than any other Zelda game, there are things that you need to do to slash your sword precisely while you're not Z targeting. Huh. Where it's like in almost every other Zelda game, it's like, okay, if you're, if you have your sword out, you're Z targeting because enemies are the only thing that really matter with you in combat. But like, this is such a, I, I was finding myself like borderline hand cramping and like more, more really mental cramping of like, what combination of buttons do I need to do to get out of this jam mm -hmm. in a way that like, I I honestly can't recall feeling in a video game of just like, I am confused about how to tackle a moment to moment situation because I I'm just like, okay, this amount of, maybe I'm old. I don't know. That's it. Danielle and I've been talking about that. Maybe we're both old. I don't like, know, John, but it's like, it, I, I thought it was remarkable that they went to the trouble of introducing this new control scheme without thinking about actually how to like revamp, certain aspects of it like that would have been a lot like, of work but it just it, they just didn't put any effort into it I what if it's like. like a fuck you from nintendo of like hey we told you we designed this game I for think motion controls all of you screw the rest of you who didn't believe us we're doing this just to spite you i mean not to not to be weird but like i honestly Imran, i kind of feel like that's what it is <laughs> I, I, like, I know that's i know that sounds insane and like weird but it's like They've listened to people like me say that that control scheme was alienating and inaccessible and bad for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And then they, they were like, okay, here you go. Here's an even worse one to basically show you that the depth 
that we thought this was the right control scheme in the first place. And we're not even going to put our back into figuring out how to make this work um, with a modern, like non-motion control scheme. And it was like, like, listen, I, again, that's not probably not fair, but I do kind of sort of feel like that, which is, you know, that doesn't feel good. But, but the thing, two things there are, nobody forced them to make it like super motion control heavy in the first place. Yeah. That was their decision. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's their choice. Yeah. I mean, like the, the years between 2006 and 2011 were like weirdly transformative for Nintendo and not in all very good ways Mm -hmm. of like, you could see them trying to learn different lessons of what does the Wii success teach us? What did the DS success teach us? And one of the things they kept like, we've talked about this before, how Nintendo is so weirdly reactive with the criticism for Zelda games. And when they got through Tyler Princess, they heard like, yeah, waggle for the sword sucks. It should be, be like, it should be a one-to-one thing for the Wiimote. And right. they they took that to heart and they waited for the Wiimote to plus and put out a game six years later that actually had that at its core. But at the same time, like it, it's, it comes down to the motion control thing still of there's an audience that just isn't ever going to be able to do this the way they're able to do buttons. Well, right. right. Like that's the thing is like, part of what they they take the wrong they went i think the wrong direction with like looking at the lessons of what did the wii succeed at which is like oh it's it's super approachable for people and part of that was like oh grandma and little kids can both play wii tennis or whatever we golf or you know wii sports stuff with this waggle and whatnot because it's instantly recognizable and they were like Okay, so that means young people and old people like to play our games, which means that when we make a game that is anything more complex than that, we need to have 600,000 tutorial prompts at every possible moment. (laughs) Uh, And not just like Skyward Sword gets a lot of guff for it. But like if you ever played Pikmin 3, that game is also rotten with that stuff. It's like all over the place in that era. The Wii U era of Nintendo is like really bad about that because it's a lot of that carryover from the Wii. And at the same time, made the games like they tried to make the games approachable by making them just like by adding tons of friction and then made them less accessible you know at the same time like less accessible from like a a a, like utility like for people with disabilities and like limited range of motion and stuff like that right and you can draw a straight line between skyward sword and like the criticism of that game and also just you know all the things that it didn't do right that weren't necessarily vocalized in the larger conversation about it to breath of the wild Mm -hmm. of Oh, so people don't really, there's a long start. What if we just didn't have, what if you just walked outside and right. now you're playing the video game yep. or like the, the multiple tutorials and the, uh, <laughs> the, the really extensive puzzle solving, but what if it wasn't a puzzle to solve or play a battle? What if it would just dodge and then hit a lot of buttons at the same time? Right. Sure. Yeah. Or what if we, what if we tell you as little as possible? What if yeah. instead of, <laughs> what if instead of doing all the stuff that you think is grindy, you can just go straight to the end if you want to? Yeah. And it's like, like in that way, even, even though Skyward Sword is a Wii game and Breath of the Wild is also a Wii U game, in a weird way, Skyward Sword represents the Wii U and Breath of the Wild represents the Switch of mm. like, this thing needed to fail so that the good thing can happen. And I, I say that as someone that really, really likes Skyward Sword, I would put it. Honestly, I would probably put it towards the bottom of my list on 3D Zeldas, but that's like that's still good. They're all, it's they're still all good games. Game. I, I put it above Twilight Princess, honestly. But like, they they needed to make the mistake of the Wii U so they could figure out okay, what people really want is the Switch. They yeah. needed to figure out okay, this Disneyfication of what we've been doing with uh, Zelda for the last three games. We've got to put that to a stop and actually just do a thing that is more in line with where the industry is going and maybe forward thinking a bit too. Mm. Skyward Sword was them going, no, what if we just put a screen on the tablet? Cool, we're done. Yeah, yeah. It's it, and, and you 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 like Skyward Sword, the original, and I I mean, do you think? Hmm. I, I mean, do you still feel like that's I I don't know like. Have you been playing the the HD remake at all or no? I have not. Pl- uh, okay. I've not gotten far in it. I played a little bit of it. Uh, it is. I, I still stand by the fact that it is the one of the worst paced Zelda's of all time. Yeah. <laughs> like 
one of the worst paced video games of that generation, honestly. Like, I, I noticed bef- before this game came out, Nintendo's uh, Twitter account was doing this thing of, hey, did you know you could just skip the sword tutorial in the game, which you've always been able to do. You've been able to do, yeah. But they wanted people to know, like, hey, we know this thing is really long. You don't <laughs> have to talk to this guy that teaches you about Z-targeting. You could just be like, hey, screw off. I've got other things to do. I, I think what Skyward Sword was trying to do, and again, this game walked so Breath of the Wild could run, I... Uh, it was trying to do a more story-based Zelda that was tr- taking the ideas of dungeons in that there's puzzles everywhere and yeah. putting it in more of an overworld thing. What it ended up doing was sacrificing a lot of the actual overworld and exploration in favor of those puzzles, in favor of those combat puzzles. And whether if you're someone who doesn't like those things, and a lot of people don't, then it just ends up feeling like the pacing is just all over the place that you just want, if you're going to give me dungeon stuff, let me do it in a dungeon. Don't make me go through a dungeon I've already saved the puzzles for. Like, it's, it's a, it's a very schizophrenic, I don't want to use that word. It's a very like confused kind of game. Yeah. um, In terms of what it wants to be. And that's because I don't think it really realized, I think Fujiwayashi was like, hey, I just came from Minus Cap. I, know what a traditional Zelda is like. Uh, yeah. We're going to make one of those, but in 3D, but also trying to maybe push for a little, a few of the things that are, he was going to start doing in the future with that series. Yeah. And you can also see some of, I will say one of the things that I think is actually interesting about Skyward Sword is um, like, I, the story is frustrating to me in a lot of different ways, but also it's interesting to me that like, that is a game where there is a very central villain who is not Ganon. Uh, yeah, in a lot yeah. of that game, like also similar to the Minish Cap and also similar to Zelda, every Zelda game where there's like a character that isn't like really Ganon, it kind of turns out that like, like actually Ganon is the really the big problem here at the end right. or something that is the progenitor of Ganon. Um, but like, yeah, I don't know how you pronounce this guy's name at all, but he's ba- he it's a it's a what's the word when you jumble up the letters in a in a word? A Voldemort. A Voldemort. Yeah, it's a yeah. Voldemort. Uh <laughs> <laughs> He's a Voldemort of Agonim from A Link to the Past. It's Garrett Girahim, I think. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, I don't know how it's pronounced, but um, it's it's Agonim from A Link to the Past. Yeah, and like, which is I think I think pro- one of the problems with Skyward Sword, and this is not to defend the game from the things it gets wrong, but one of the problems with every new Zelda game is that so many Zelda games are different. That if you, let's say you played Zelda 1, 2, Link to the Past, and Ocarina of Time, and that's how you, that was your foundational uh, flooring for Zelda. Those are four extremely different games. (laughs) And you might like, uh, like what you prize the Zelda might be different. For me, my, the formation of Zelda opinions for me was for Ocarina of Time. So I really liked puzzles and dungeons and things like that. So Skyward Sword, when it offered a lot of that to me separately, was like, okay, cool, I'm digging a lot of this. For some people, it is an exploration of the overworld. For some people, it's like combat and action. So you're never you're going to get a universal – Breath of the Wild may be the closest I've ever seen on a universal consensus for this is a Zelda game. But there's still a lot of that stuff of like people who are Zelda fans going, no, this game sucks because it doesn't have real dungeons. And mm. I can honestly see that argument too. And – I think Skyward Sword gets to that point of what if we just completely removed exploration and le- replace it with a thing that does not work consistently for a lot of people. <laughs> I it it was a quixotic decision to base that game so much on an inconsistent input method, but also that's not the only thing wrong with it. And but at the same time, I do think it has a lot of virtues that just don't that are very difficult to dig out. Like, uh, I don't know if you've gotten a chance yet to play the new Ratchet and Clank, Stephen. I played the uh, first, like, major level of it when you're, like, first in the Dr. Nefarious universe. Okay. So there's a thing in that game later on that is just straight up ripped out of Skyward Sword. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember you telling me about that. And, like, it's it's very interesting and, like, it takes advantage of the SSD in a way that Skyward Sword didn't. And it's, like, it's a cool thing. But it's, like, there's stuff in Skyward Sword that I would love to see again. And I I kind of worry that like the reaction to that game is so bad. Actually, it's less so now, right? Like, cause like I I know I know Danielle really really hates that game, but like a lot of people I'm seeing are, who hate disliked that game before are now really into it and are now like really? there's a weird resurgence are 
uh, redemption arc for that game in terms of reviews and critical consensus now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's important, right? In the canon, I mean, Nintendo base like I think the, I think the maybe the greatest trick Nintendo is pulling right now is trying to tell us that Skyward Sword is very important in the <laughs> canon. Mm-hmm. Where where I'm not convinced that that's true, even like yeah. I'm 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 not convinced that Breath of the Wild two will not like even remotely touch any of that history. But they would um, very much like you to spend sixty dollars to find exactly. out for yourself. Yes. You're you're right. Like I think that's exactly it, and I think like. Some of that hype is based on the fact that Breath of the Wild was so universally acclaimed. Um, I mean, at, listen, I know there are haters for some aspects of that game, but like that was a, a massive critical success, even with the corners of the games industry that don't like Zelda games. Um, right. And, you know, I think Nintendo is like, oh, like we, we, you know, we made a lot of those before. Here's one that's very important to us. And it's like, the worst one. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's not the worst one. I agree with you, Imran. I think Twilight Princess is actually worse than that. But, mm. but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know how important this game is. I, I don't think it's like, I think I'm also just angry at it. I, I'm yeah. not angry at a lot of games, but like, I, I want to like this game. I think even if the controls were perfect, I still think this game has problems. Um, I Pacing, think it has, like you mentioned, I, I, I think it's got a lot of problems. I, one of the things for me is very much like this game has, um, did you know that Darth Vader made C-3PO disease of like, I, I hate that shit of like, um, like setting up like, oh, the mythology in this universe isn't just mythology. It's X, Y, Z happens because of this very specific thing. And it like robs so much of the mystery and mystique yeah. and scale of this universe from right. it by just saying like, oh no, the guy who's like the, the big, like, ever reincarnating villain or whatever is actually just like some demon like that you fought once uh, yeah, in I, past I life. think a demon <laughs> they probably got that like once ocarina of time passed with like critical acclaim they're like yeah we could just keep going backwards couldn't we we could just keep this <laughs> up. like what if link's shield and sword had a mythos it's uh-huh. like it could be a magic sword i'm fine with that we don't yeah. need to like go too deep into it being like a weird robot lady and like the thing we're talking about uh of the the controls at they, I don't want to say made sense, but they were built for a thing. Yeah, and sure. then when they try to make that for a new thing, it doesn't quite map one to one, and they do end up doing some weird, dumb new mechanic that doesn't fit with modern controls. I think that's a weird. That's a thing we're gonna find ourselves stuck with Nintendo systems for like older yeah. games for a long. I love Kid Icarus Uprising. I think that game yeah. is great. It is going. You will never be able to port that game anywhere. No, you just, right? Like. If you try to port it anywhere, you're gonna have to pretty undergo some pretty major design changes that are going to make it a little worse. And even the original control scheme isn't great, but it's built for that thing. Look so, at look at yeah. the world ends with you. Like that the the remake of that game that was like very much designed for a dual screen setup. Uh, the final mix or whatever that everybody put out that they put out is it's just a completely different game. It's not the right. world ends with you anymore. Yeah, yeah. And their their solutions for these things are usually mildly half-hearted of we well we don't use the l button for camera control i don't know we're we're gonna check out you know what i was looking recently at a gdc talk about uh i want to say i don't remember exactly which zelda game it was but they were showing hey we experimented by making skyward sword hd by like making this game look a bit more next gen and i remember seeing the screenshot slides of it i'm like why is why does skyward sword hd the real skyward sword hd not look this good and (laughs) it's it's this weird ethos nintendo has with uh remasters remakes of we don't want to fundamentally change it like link between link uh not between worlds um link's awakening same game different art style but same game uh skyward sword is we're not we made some quality of life improvements but for the most part it's exactly the same you guys can do more with it like it's okay to admit the old version wasn't what you wanted it to be. Well, it's okay yeah. to go, let's let's make a new thing out of it. Twilight Princess HD and uh, Wind Waker HD, like, you say that, like, you think that uh, Twilight Princess HD is the, or uh, Twilight Princess is the worst game in this franchise. I think Twilight Princess HD is probably better than Skyward Sword by the end, yeah. because one thing that they did they is- they picked the, some of the pacing issues. Yeah, they picked all the pacing issues that are still present in this game. Yeah, yeah. Um, they they yeah, just said, like, I, what if you had to, like, grind out 
fifty percent less of those things that you have to grind out at every at every that's, dungeon. Yeah, I think that's the biggest shock to me is that you're exactly right, Steven. It's like Wind Waker HD specifically cut the, the like a section out of that game. I mm-hmm. mean, it just like it surgically removed a section of that game and said that it, they made the choice that this didn't make sense in this. We're going to cut it out, and that's an editorial choice. I really appreciated it. Um, I think it made that game better. I think it made Twilight Princess better. I think you're right. Um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's almost like they, yeah, I don't know. I, th- th- this is like monkey's paw stuff where I was like, well, they got to change the control scheme. And now I'm all, all I'm doing is sitting here going like, well, maybe they should have fixed some of the other stuff instead because <laughs> they didn't exactly fix the control scheme. So if you're not going to actually do that, then cut out some of this stuff that, that hurts the pacing so bad. I think that um, honestly, this is this game is the reason we're not getting more Zelda 35th anniversary stuff is because yeah. it's very hard to release other games people want and also go also please buy Skyward Sword HD for yeah. $60. Yep. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> oh, wow. <sighs> Any final thoughts on this game before we wrap up? It's not worth 60 fucking dollars. I'll mm-hmm. tell you that. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not like a, I am not a like, get your money's worth when you buy a video game. Like I'm, I'm not, if you slap 60 bucks on a game and you're like, Hey, this is what this game costs. I'm like, that's cool. I'm, I'm chill. Even if it takes five hours to beat, I don't really care. Um, I don't think they made enough changes to this game to warrant that price tag. I think it is like kind of a waste. I'm going to again, be, uh, legal, legally risky here and say, get this thing on dolphin and just fucking play it on dolphin. I would not, (laughs) I would not buy this game, um, but I don't know. I, I I still am thinking that I'm going to go back and, and like, you know, sit, lay in bed and try to play this or something just like, okay, well, what if I really try to make, you know, really try to lean into the switches, like value prop to play this game. Like maybe I'll like right. have some sort of novelty moment and get through some of the worst parts, but I, and I want to, because they've convinced me that it's important, but (laughs) I also, I also am doubting that like pretty heavily. Do you think they, it's not unheard of for Nintendo to suddenly start patching a game for like it. If they made the L button camera thing, a toggle versus a hold, would that that be like a lot? So I, 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 this I is wonder, not even I the first per- podcast I've heard them like people say that thing. Like, why not make it a a, to- a, a hold? In, yeah. yeah, a toggle instead of hold. Or why not make it so that you have to hold the button to switch to sword instead of camera control? Like, I've right. seen a lot of people say like, what if it was just the opposite way and it's just like you normally had camera control and then you could control yes. your sword by uh, holding honestly, the button? Honestly, Steven, yes. Like, if I if I hit either of the left trigger or because this left trigger does e targeting and the L does the camera. If, if it allows me to hit either one of those to use this word, I would play that game more. Mm. That just seems like a better solution, and I don't understand why. I don't understand why they didn't come up with that. I mean, it could I, be I like agree. that thing, like, in 3D All-Stars, they just suddenly change. It's like, oh, yeah, now you can use the GameCube controller for Mario Sunshine. There's right. there's times where it make they will just out of nowhere patch something based on yeah. criticism. <laughs> I do, but there's times they just won't, and it's like, what are you doing? Why don't you just do this one simple thing? Like well, when they I, added a fucking online multiplayer to a three-year-old oh, Mario Party game. game. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, like I, I, I'm not going to say that many nice things about CD Projekt Red in, in the course of my career, but like, <laughs> but I, do y'all remember when the Witcher three came out and like, yeah, there were just uh-huh. like a lot of just kind of like the, the, the problems the like weird. this, yeah, just yeah. like mm-hmm. stuff like this, where it was like menuing was awful uh, minimap stuff was like buggy. There were some yeah. control issues, blah, blah, blah. And they came out with like a pretty beefy patch. Not that long after that game came out that like kind of transformed that, that experience. And, yeah. you know, most folks don't, I think I feel like most folks don't remember that. Like that three month period where Witcher three was like a way worse video game. Um, and I'm like, that's a good blueprint though. Honestly, if you release a game that people are like, Hey, this shit doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like you, you have an option to do it, but like it's a, it's a weird double-edged sword because it's just like, I'm sitting here going like, this game is probably not important. It's not worth $60, blah, 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 blah. So like, you know, Nintendo is like, well, okay, if y'all feel like that, then, and, and also like probably a ton of people bought this fucking game. So oh yeah, that usually is their, 
you know, watermark. It's usually the mark for like, okay, we don't actually have to touch this again. I feel yeah. like it's um, hard to know what Nintendo's like, what their reasoning is for like, yeah. Oh, a lot of people bought it either. That means we should change this thing. People are talking about, or it means people, the people have spoken. We the don't need to do a damn spoken. thing. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's yeah. so strange. I've, I've been thinking a lot about company of heroes three, which seems like a <laughs> random game to bring up right now. But like, mm. I've been thinking I've been like reading up about it a bunch and looking into this, which is a, a World War II strategy game from Relic Entertainment. But that is also a company that is now owned by another longtime vaunted Japanese game developer, Sega. Sega sort of overnight became like the premier strategy game publisher in the world between this and they, they also own amplitude who makes the endless dungeon, endless space, endless uh, legend games. And they make that they're making that humankind like civilization competitor and amplitude is a studio like this. So there's, there's this whole strategy wing of Sega now that like talks to each other and has all these different, like, like shares resources and shares tips on development and stuff like that. And so a Sega company now, it, like a whole branch of a Sega company is is using the, the Amplitude model, which Amplitude is big on, like, we'll put this game out into like kind of an early access where you sign up for like access to the forums and the betas and to basically become a play tester for the game that gets like your name gets put in the credits or whatever. And previously, that was just something that Amplitude did before Sega owned them. And now they're sharing all of that whole infrastructure with Relic Entertainment and and doing a lot of that stuff where like they're showing Company of Heroes 3. It's not like an open beta. It's like kind of a closed beta that you have to sign up for to become a part of this like development community but they're like already out there talking about like how yeah we put this game out and like within a week here are the things that we are definitely going to cut out of this game or change in terms right. of like balancing and pacing and uh just entire features that we don't think work anymore and it's so interesting to see like how and like you look at Hades a, you know, just a traditional early access game that was just like a very good early access game and it's just like the Nintendo model of doing things seems so increasingly out of step with how all of game development is is changing now. Yeah. yeah. It's like they keep reading someone on Twitter going, preservation, they're like, what if we release the same game? That don't <laughs> that's, that's what they want, right? What every if you can buy Super every, Mario 80 times? Every single game but Mother 3. Just every <laughs> All right, I think that wraps it up for us this week. Uh, John, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me over at Flop... Oh, <laughs> You can find me a floppy adult, but if you want to find me in Pokemon Unite, uh, either the word <laughs> floppy or adult are uh, flagged by the Tencent Corporation as being inappropriate. <laughs> so I'm just Johnny Warren on Pokemon Unite. But if you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at floppy adult. Steven, where can people find you on the internet or on Pokemon Unite? You can find me on uh, Twitter at, at Steven Strum, and I ain't playing no baby MOBA. I'm over in the Dota Mines, You're in baby. the Dota Mines, all that, right. That seems like a what, odd place to also put a disclaimer about Pokemon Unite. <laughs> I, you can find our wonderful producer, Jordan Mallory, at our Jordan underscore Mallory. Uh, thank you, Jordan. Thank you, John. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, oh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Imran.zomg or on fanbyte.com where you can find all four of us. So, oh my God, we can. Imran, yeah. Zomag- yeah, like, it doesn't feel as bad for me. For, from Natalie, you can hear it like, dripping with venom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I mean it to be endearing. I, I yeah, like yeah. it. I'm like, it sounds pleasant coming from Stephen. Yeah. Like Natalie does it like she's she's going she's gunning for you directly. Oh my like, god! You could see her like turning her head slightly to like go fucking glare at you as if yeah, you were sitting at yeah. an actual oh podcast table. Yeah, there's like passive aggressive and there's like Natalie aggressive which is, like, somewhere uh-huh. somewhere in the middle of aggressive and passive. Uh-huh. <laughs> but this has been another ninety nine potions. Everyone, thank you for coming. Now let's do our traditional, our now traditional three episodes. I think so far. <laughs> A uh, new sign-off, wherein we clink our potions at the bar, and right. in unison, in, in in celebration of a great podcast. All right, so clink, 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 clink. clink. <laughs> <laughs>